Accrediting Excellence, the international authority for professional coaching and mentoring, proudly presents both sides of the coin. Do you or one of your clients experience anxiety or depression? The chances are the answer is yes. According to a recent statistic, 275 million people suffer from anxiety disorders globally and around 62% of those are female. Coaching on this topic can help clients uncover the reasons underlying their anxiety, help them develop tools to diffuse their anxiety, as well as help them cope with stressful situations. And today we're getting some more fabulous top tips. Welcome to Both Sides of the Coin, a podcast produced by the IAPC and M. We're a leading accreditation body and our aim is to increase public confidence and to raise industry standards by enforcing a rigorous accreditation process. The podcast is aptly named both sides of the coin because we talk to both a coach or mentor and one of their clients to explore both sides of the coaching mentoring intervention. What works and what doesn't. As the proverb says, iron sharpens iron. Before we get started, let me introduce myself. I'm Jenny Butter, your host and an accredited senior coach. I've been coaching for nine years, mainly in the area of career transition and life coaching. Joining me today are Shari Lewison-Frisch and her client, Beth. Shari is a certified family crisis coach who specializes in working with parents of teenagers who self-harm, and she also coaches people who have anxiety and depression. Her client, Beth, has recently retired from being a social worker and probation officer. She contacted Shari to arrange some coaching sessions when she found herself struggling with anxiety and depression. Welcome both of you. Shari, I'm going to start with you and then we're going to flip over the coin and speak to Beth. Shari, please tell me more about yourself. Yeah, hi Jenny. Um, I trained to be a coach um, fairly late on in my career because I've got a corporate background and even though I've done an awful lot of um, mentoring in my job with apprentices and engineers and universities, sort of like interns, um, it's something that I seem to be quite a natural at, but there was a point where I reached in my life where I just thought I want to actually do more of that, help people more, which you can't really do to, to that degree in the corporate world. I um, joined the coaching program and then trained to be a life coach and knew fairly instantly what I wanted to do, which was to just focus on families and in particular parents with teenagers who self-harm. And so where does anxiety and depression fit into that? It can be a, a spike um, or a downward spiral when you're suffering from anxiety and depression, as in how you actually cope with those feelings that can be incredibly overwhelming. Some might turn to drink, um, or drugs and others turn to self-harm. And so what would you say are the warning signs? There's a red flag flying, I need to get some help, I need to do something about this. Um, when they're struggling to cope and deal with things on their own and if they feel that they don't actually have someone that they can confide in, whether that's realised or if that's just imagined, because some people just don't feel very comfortable opening up and um, or burdening um, their family with that. And so where do you start? I start with um, getting a general overview on where they are in their life. 
And there's a lovely um, quiz that I like to start off with, which is the life satisfaction quiz, where they give themselves scorings out of 10 for every area of their life. And, um, and that normally gives me a really good indication of, of where they are and, and how, how much or how, how little they're enjoying their lives. And also the areas that we could perhaps focus on and see how we could go about affecting change to make them feel better in themselves. And so please, can you give me an example um, of some top coaching tips that you use, which other coaches could also use? Again, we, we, we look at um, what's going on in their life because it's really important to have a look at all the aspects. So it's looking at their, their personal relationships with, with their significant others. It's looking at their relationships within the family unit and um and also if there's any past trauma any anything that happened in their childhood that they maybe are not aware of that that triggers those um feelings i like to incorporate um, mindfulness breathing exercises an awareness of where you can you you list the things that you can see touch feel hear and and taste and just sort of like those kind of grounding exercises that help then to get that person unstuck and look at the bigger picture and to move them forward. That's really useful and so have you got uh, an example that you can give me um, something tangible perhaps where you've helped a client cope with a stressful situation? With Beth as we hit a point where we weren't really getting going much forward we switched the roles and then I said to to, to Beth, you know, if you just imagine sort of like your, yourself, a younger, younger self, and in that situation that we're going back into, what would you tell yourself then that you know now? And, um, and I think that that's a really good exercise to use when you notice that the client's getting stuck. It's, it's almost as if they, they have to unfreeze their brain. That's really good. Thank you. Shari, when do you think that you need to refer a client to another professional such as a counsellor or a GP? When they're showing high signs of anxiety or depression and, um, and it's escalating perhaps to where they're even thinking of, of perhaps even taking their life. Um, there's, there's definitely a fine line between coaching and coaching someone towards an end goal and where you realize that they actually need proper medical professional help risk assessments that you can do obviously with the client that you can then gauge exactly what their um, mental health and well-being is and so where could coaches find risk assessments so they have them to hand should that ever be needed you can actually um on on the the CAMS um, website, any any sort of like mental health organisation would would have those. More and more frequently, I speak to parents and, you know, you're a family crisis coach that, that talk about how their children um, from you know a very young age are experiencing anxiety. How do you support them to support their children? What tips do you give them? They need to um, approach the child from a place of empathy rather than judgment. 
is is what I always advise. So understand that separate the behavior from the person and approach them from from that angle and then find a quiet space or a quiet time in the day where you can actually sit down and say, listen, I can see that you're struggling or you're hurting and I really want to help. How can I help you? And then working towards, um, you know, coping strategies. So I give them coping strategies that they can, they can implement because it has to be a working together. There's not going to be an improvement if, um, the teenager isn't on board and that's then for the parent to um, facilitate and also I like to incorporate also the whole family because I think in situations like this it's often that the rest of the the family members get forgotten as well you know the partner the siblings and they're all being affected by this in different ways. And I think it's important to also then for them to actually have a voice as well and to say how they're feeling so that you cure the whole, the whole unit and not just one element of it so that it is sustainable. That's really interesting. So when working with a whole family, where does confidentiality come into play? you'd write that into your agreement obviously you can only do that with everyone's say so it's normally quite quite easy through through the parent for them to then agree and to see the benefits of the of a family session but obviously if someone doesn't want to partake in that even if the parent sees the benefit of it then unfortunately there is nothing that you can do and then you just have to arm and equip the the parent with as much um, knowledge and information as possible to then perhaps do that on their own in the family, within the family unit. But at least you can highlight, you know, how, how others might be struggling and how to have those conversations with them. Thanks so much, Sherry. Please tell me about working with Beth. I'd heard about Beth and then I was introduced to her from um, by a friend and we got we got chatting and then um, Beth came to me then and said that, you know, could she actually speak to me privately about um, things that were going on in her life? And I found it really easy to work with Beth. And I do think that perhaps her background also stood in good stead, you know, having been you know, a, a social worker and a probation officer and having dealt with difficult people, I think she was used to actually opening up herself and um, and answering difficult questions and also questioning her own, her own self. So it, it was a lovely sort of like exercise to just sort of like explore what was actually going on in her life, what were the triggers, um, and her reactions around that and um and how how she could sort of like recognize those and stop herself because the first step is always the realization that that you've you've perhaps said something or done something that you shouldn't you should you'd know better and you can at least stop yourself and address that thank you let me flip over the coin now and talk to beth beth why did you want coaching I was actually running groups for people with depression and anxiety and I, you know, being a probation officer and a child protection social worker, um, I've done, I've, I've had lots of counselling in the past. I've been on loads of personal development groups 
uh, training. So I thought I was sorted, you know, I'm all right. I've, I've sorted all my stuff. And then loads of things happened. I had lots of personal traumas all happen at once. Um, and I just came home from work one day and the tears were just falling down my eyes and I just wasn't feeling anything. And I just, the next day, I couldn't get out of bed. My whole body was in pain and I, I just couldn't, I just, I was just, it was like my brain was frozen. I couldn't think, I couldn't feel. Um, I went to the doctors, I was put on antidepressants, but they weren't helping. Um, and then just working with Shari, it just made me realise I hadn't allowed myself to think or feel for years. So at first I was really, really angry. And then I started journaling as well and, and doing the work with Shari and realised that, you know, there, were, I was, there was a lot of blame. I was blaming and I was angry. And then I had to stop with Shari and look at my responsibility in the things that had happened. Like, why had I ignored red flags? Where were my boundaries? Why, were, why was I rescuing people? And from that realisation, we were able to then go back into my childhood and look at my self-worth and, and, you know, the triggers that I, I've done all my life, really, rescuing and putting other people's needs before my own. Um, and I was also self-harming with food which I was abused as a child and food was a payoff. So we were looking at the, the trigger, that trigger that, you know, it's almost like a protection or a punishment. I was using food to self-harm. I actually put five stone on. What was the most useful thing, do you think, throughout the coaching that you did with Sherry? Helping me to link my feelings now with feelings that I'd had as a child and thought that I'd dealt with. I hadn't dealt with how I used food to deal with that pain. And taking responsibility for the fact that I can be angry and blame other people, but actually I had allowed it by, by ignoring red flags. What advice would you give other coaches who have clients who experience anxiety or depression? Just to be patient and to, to realise that my brain felt like it was frozen. Most of the things that Shari did with me, I would do with other people. But it was like I'd forgotten it all. It was like it was all new to me, although I've been doing it for like 30 odd years. Um, so it's just about be patient and just slowly unpick it with that person. Just slowly take them back to where to where the connections are because the, there is going to be a connection. So coaching takes you from the present to the future. Based on where you were when you started with Shari, where would you say you are now? Mentally, I'm a lot stronger. She's very patient. She's very kind. You don't feel judged. I was beating myself up because it was like, how could I have allowed myself to get in this position? Me, who's got all the knowledge and, you know, if I was somebody who had got no experience or got no knowledge, Shari helping me to, to, to stop myself, me beating myself up, really. 
Thank you so much, Sherry. And thank you so much, Beth. That's been really insightful. If you'd like coaching with Sherry, then she can be contacted via LinkedIn, Sherry Lewison Frisch. That's F-R-I-S-C-H. We're confident that anybody who attains an international authority for professional coaching and mentoring accreditation will be among the very best that the profession has to offer. So if you're somebody who's interested in having some coaching or mentoring and want to find an accredited coach, mentor or training provider, or if you're a professional who's interested in becoming accredited, then please go to our website, coach-accreditation.services. And finally, if there's a topic that you would like me to cover on future episodes of Both Sides of the Coin, then I would love to hear from you. My email, jenny.podcast at coach-accreditation.services. Bye for now.